Hello, welcome to Kitchen Radio. My name's Rita Katoni and this is ACCC 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek. And that opening track was Camel Walk by Southern Culture on the Skids. In keeping with this time of year when the weather is cold but not too cold to camp, we're once again looking at camp cooking or camp cuisine. But tonight our focus is on cooking under extreme conditions. I, I love looking at cooking under extreme conditions. And this time we're looking at cooking or how you would cook on a camel track. And I would like to welcome my special guest tonight, Mel Keane. Now, Mel, your, your cooking prowess as a camp chef has, has, has entered folklore. I was told by a, a colleague when I was asking, who's a good camp cook? You have to talk to Mel. So you worked as a camel trekker for what, six to seven years. Yeah, that's right. And uh, good afternoon to you, Rick. Yes, good afternoon. <laughs> Um, yeah, it worked pretty seriously as a camelier um, from 1997 through to 2003. It was doing um, expeditions and treks in the Australian deserts with 16, 17, 18, 19 pack camels, depending on which camels were working each year. Since then, have done much camel work uh, in different ways, working at Kings Creek Station. Uh, managed the camel farm at Ulara for a few years and did some work with Dennis Orr on uh, youth diversion trips doing horse and camel work while I was working at Tunganjira back in 2013, mm-hmm. 14 and 15. So That's a long history with camels. Yeah, so amazing animals and amazing way to see the country, that's for sure. So how did you get into camelearing? Pure luck uh, as tends to be the best things in life, meeting the right people at the right time. Met a man called Rex Ellis, who has been an incredible modern-day explorer in this country, getting out to amazing places in the desert, making the most of when big rains fall and getting out into desert rivers with you know boats to take people down rivers that are usually dry. Uh, and met him when I was working in New South Wales in a little place called Kangaroo Valley, and met through another intrepid explorer by the name of Warwick Decock. And, yeah, did some work on Rex's property in South Australia. I must have been 22, maybe 23. And uh, met his camels there and first time I'd ever slept in a swag, slept on the bank of the Murray and just all of a sudden realised there was this whole other part to Australia that I had absolutely no idea about having grown up in Sydney. And that was it for the next six to seven years? Pretty much, yeah. Look, I moved to Perth that year and you know, worked over there for a while and then jumped in a Toyota with a couple of mates and cruised around the southwest coast of WA and we did a bit of camp oven cooking on that trip, I can tell you. Slept on beaches and ate a lot of fish and potatoes. <laughs> yeah, look, we got up to the Nullarbor Roadhouse and... You know, rang my mum as he did back in the day, once every six weeks, and yeah, on a payphone. On a payphone, yeah. And she let me know that yeah, a man called Rex Ellis had been trying to get in touch, and so I rang him and was lucky enough to get him on the phone. And he said to me, "If you can get to Kalgoorlie in four days' time, you can jump on a semi-trailer with eighteen camels and five blokes, and you can come out with Outback Camel Company for the next three months." And that's what I did. Wow. Yeah. It was all just complete luck. Yeah. And taking an opportunity when it arose. And did you also like fall in love with camels as well? Completely. What do you love about camels? 
Oh, they're just ve- – lots of people talk about them as being really noisy and, you know, they can be noisy like any like – We can be noisy, any yeah. Animal, yeah, but um, they're incredibly calm animals and they're beautiful to just be around and walk alongside. You know, they have multiple stomachs so they chew their card and, you know, if you're sleeping in a swag near camels, you can just hear them intermittently through the night chewing on their card and it's really quite relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> but they all have you – know, like all animals, they have – such interesting personalities and working really closely with them and for you know an extended period of time mm-hmm. so like that first year I went out for 80 days straight wow yeah we walked 1500 kilometers that year and you just really get to know those animals mm-hmm. so intimately and you know what are their their little different ways of reacting to noise or to different country or you know it's quite amazing you know, because honestly, I didn't even know that there were deserts in Australia before wow. I started camel tripping. I just was so naive. But had always loved the bush and always loved animals and, you know, wanted to be a horse person. Uh-huh. Um, but camels came first. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're on a camel trek, how many camels are there generally? Yeah, so usually around about 18. Mm-hmm. I just caught up with the camel crew recently who are up here and out in the Simpson Desert this year, so same company I was working for then. And they were bringing up between 19 and 20 mm-hmm. camels for this year's season. But, yeah, it sometimes just depends on which camels you have and sometimes mm-hmm. there might be new ones. And yeah. yeah, but roughly around 18. And are camels trained to be on treks? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> you just can't grab a wild camel and not... <laughs> No, they have to get used to wearing saddles and you have to get a saddle fitted to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they really need to be at least four before you can load mm-hmm. them up with gear. You know, when you've got young camels, you wouldn't be putting much more on them than a, a saddle mm-hmm. and just getting them used to walking in line. And look, while we're, while we're out in the deserts, we can have wild camels, you know, following us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been the odd occasion where there's been a young camel joined okay. with us and just followed along in the line. Yeah. Not tied on, no nothing, but just... Yeah, joining, you know, a little herd and thinking yeah. that it's theirs. And, and does it join in sometimes? It uh, likes to hang around, yeah. and, you know, but, yeah, when, in my time we never... Um, adopted one. Adopted any because <laughs> there was never any room on the truck to take any extra Oh, you've got to get them back, yeah. yeah. What was the longest camel trek you've ever done? So I did a 40-day crossing of the Gibson Desert, mm-hmm. yeah, in 97, that first year. So, like I said, it was 80 days straight, so we did three trips a I think it was like a 21-day crossing of the mm-hmm. Little Sandy Desert then the 40 in the Gibson and maybe a 25 in the Great Victoria Desert. Wow. So that was a really long experience for me and probably not one that I Do would again. ever have done again that long without a break. But in your first year, every day is new and, yeah. you know, just constantly learning and, and new people on each trip. And yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So how many, like how many people, how many, uh, say, are they tourists? On? Yeah, um, Participants. Participants. Yeah, look, probably anywhere from, you know, including crew, Mm. like a smaller trip would be sort of 16. Mm -hmm. I think the most that I ever had on any trips was 24. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which included crew. Yeah. Yeah. You're cooking for this many people or someone's cooking or food is being provided for up to 24 people, up to 40 days. Do do you have food drops along the way? Yeah, so on the 40-day trip we definitely Mm -hmm. had a food drop 
halfway across. But on other trips like the Simpson Desert Crossing, which is generally around about 25 days, there's no food wow. drop. So you just get restocked at each changeover trip. So you get okay. to your destination and then the new group coming in to do the next leg of the journey, you get a, a food drop yep. with them. And what about a water drop? Water drops can definitely occur on camel trips mm-hmm. and Simpson Desert Crossings these days, I believe they Have regularly do a yeah. like one water drop um, down the Colson track. Particularly in dry years, it's a definite. Mm-hmm. But on shorter trips, like you know, sixteen day trip, you wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. a water drop. I've certainly seen camels go sixteen days without a drink. Mm-hmm. So you're not having to bring water for the camels and feed. No, so we don't take any feed. Don't take any water. Obviously, take uh, medications. You know, mm-hmm. in cases, you know, something you have to deal with with the camels if they're got in a fight. So camel medication, not yeah. human medication. Yeah, definitely. Is there a camp cook? Like one person who says, I'm the camp cook. Sometimes. Okay. And sometimes it becomes more of a, a joint effort by the crew. Mm-hmm. In my experience, it's good to have one person who's sort of keeping their eye on what food is going out each night. So you might have someone who's responsible for putting the menu together mm-hmm. and organising the food order and then there'll be a whole lot of you who'll go and do the shopping and it used to be five hours and 12 trolleys <laughs> later and double checking that you haven't forgot to- toilet paper and yeah. things like that. It used to be crazy days in Alice Springs supermarkets. Um, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then whatever you couldn't get it, maybe coals you'd have to go to Woolies for and, yeah. you know, you're making sure you've got all your meat cryovac'd and yeah. trying to get, you know, the best uh, sort of packaging for travelling. Mm. And were you into cooking? Like were you able to cook and into food before you started on your cameleering ventures? Yes, I was into food. So I did an undergrad in food and nutrition. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I didn't know that, Mel. There you go. <laughs> Decided as soon as I'd finished that I didn't want to use it. Okay. But yeah, look, I'd always had always been yeah into food and wasn't the most spectacular cook, but was around many spectacular cooks. So always learning. But at that age of twenty three, mm-hmm. uh, really didn't have that much experience cooking. Mm-hmm. So what is the approach to like feeding this many people over such a long period of time? Like, Do you have a, a menu and do you work out, plan really meticulously what's going to be eaten every day or is it uh, more of a uh, an ad hoc approach? No, there, there definitely needs to be a bit of a plan of mm-hmm. meals. You might not stick to it but you'll make sure that you've got the ingredients mm-hmm. to ensure that you can do say five pasta meals and you know five rice meals or something mm-hmm. like that you always want to allow a contingency of a few days food in case you get stuck somewhere mm. um, which can happen if there's big rains yeah so yeah you you pretty much go off a bit of a menu plan and then get really flexible mm-hmm. when you're out sort of the things big things to watch is that if someone else says oh I'll cook tonight and of course everyone's happy for everyone to have a go but if they think oh, okay so usually for my family of four I'd use two tins of tomatoes mm. for that meal mm. so now that I've got you know 20 I'm mm. gonna times that by five mm. and there's absolutely none of that that we can manage yeah so you know there is sort of a an amount of tins of you know a certain food that you would allow for each meal yeah and you need to be pretty tight with that. Yeah. So when you do your big shop, your 15 trolleys, like what are you buying apart from toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of toilet paper. Look, we take out – it always surprises people how much fresh food we take out. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, really, you know, people expect it's like bushwalking and – 
you want to take out dehydrated meals that are already prepared and yeah. we just don't have the water to be able to okay. rehydrate all those meals. So looking at a lot of fresh food you know, and looking at um, some of those foods that will last mm-hmm. you know, for three weeks. So, you know, your cabbages and your potatoes and your sweet potatoes, your beetroots. Um, but then also, obviously, everything in between. Mm-hmm. So fresh fruit, always apples and oranges, enough for, you know, people to have fruit every day. Taking out watermelons and rock melons mm. and... So things know. that are like, like, think about a watermelon or a pumpkin or a cabbage, it's, it's all encapsulated like it's got its own skin. It, yeah, it's right. You know, if, so long as you don't sort of pierce it, you know, they, they can all last for quite some time, can't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah, but definitely, you know, taking out lots of tomatoes. There's always bags of tomatoes mm. going out. Um, celery. Celery is always a real hit on camel trips. And you don't have fridges. Like, your camels aren't carrying fridges, are they? No. It's <laughs> total old school. So wooden boxes and allow a bit of airflow, but don't let the light in. So we use those oh, okay. as cool boxes. Yep. So you're putting all your cheese. Like, you know, you're getting a lot so of cheese. So you're bringing cheese and, and butter? butter. That, not butter, <laughs> not Alex. <laughs> that so, was a trick question. There you go. So yeah, <laughs> talking to Rita yesterday, not Alex doesn't melt. No, because it's okay. um, I didn't know vegetable that. fat. So yeah, yeah not Alex is the go on camel trips. Yeah, eggs. So even out. though eggs, you would bring eggs, even though they are quite fragile. Absolutely. Mm. So they would definitely go in the wooden boxes. And are, they, are you wrapping them a lot to make sure? No. You're just packing in those boxes so there's not a lot of movement. Okay. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, just mm. so they're not moving around in that space. But, yeah, absolutely taking lots of eggs. So eggs can just are such a versatile food. And are you bringing fresh meat? I wouldn't imagine you'd bring fresh meats if you don't have refrigeration. So, yeah, definitely take fresh meat for the first few days. Okay. Uh, and make sure it's cryovac before we take it out so, you know, you're not worrying about air mm. getting into that meat. That helps. How long you know. would that meat last? Oh, look, you'd only be using fresh meat the first four days at the okay. most probably and then take out bacon mm-hmm. which you know will, can last well salted right meats through. are really yeah that's why they're salted is yeah. to, as smoked a preservative chickens. smoked chicken yeah, wow another, um, another big fave salamis mm-hmm. yeah so your smoked meats uh, can help we also used to get dehydrated mints um, wow, we that sounds so these, weird. But you said it was actually quite okay. Incredible. And they used to do a great burrito mix. And I, yeah. I can't remember where that came from. It was out of a business in South Australia, I believe. But, yeah, mm. you get it in big two-kilo bags and it's a real treat, you know, when you're two weeks in and mm. you haven't had fresh meat. So, What about spam? <laughs> <laughs> it's tinned. It's meat. We say ham, not spam. <laughs> <laughs> no, we take out... Proper leg ham in a can, but not spam. <laughs> and no fray bentos. <laughs> I was going to ask about the fray bentos. <laughs> so it sounds like it's a um, it's something that's quite broad that can appeal to you know, a whole group of people. About people with dietary limitations. There's always someone. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, look, I've, I've certainly done trips where there's been, you know, four different dietary requirements. And I'll tell you the hardest one always is the person who can't eat onions. <gasps> yeah, the onions and garlic thing. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I had someone staying staples. with me um, years ago. It mm. was like, oh, we did a lot of quiches. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just end up having to leave stuff out. Or we always have a small pot so you can just, yep. you know, have a, have one on the side that you're not putting everything into. There's, there's always vegetarians, sometimes celiacs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might work with that traveller before they come to work out 
mm, what, what things they, can, they might yep. bring as well. Some of I have noticed with celiacs over the years that they do also try to bring some of their, um, own some food, of their foods yeah. because there certainly wasn't available back when I was trekking the sort of foods true, that are available yeah. now. Are there any things that you really avoid? Because it sounds like you have, it's just like a standard shop, you know. I mean, apart from like tinned meats, I wouldn't normally buy tinned meats, but it just doesn't sound like it's that different to a standard shop if you've got cheeses and eggs and veggies and fruit. It's absolutely true. Mm. And, you know, it's one of the things people really notice on mm. camel trips, how well they eat. They don't mm-hmm. expect to get, you know, the dinners that they're getting or... Because people aren't being carried by the camels, are they? No, so you're walking every day, it's basically a bushwalking trip where you yep. don't have to carry any gear. It sounds great. Yeah, it's yep. a really nice way to travel and, you know, after a few days you're shedding all your city life. And I thought you were going to say you're shedding all your kilos. I was like, I like that. <laughs> you can do that if you choose not to eat too much. <laughs> um, do you ever kill your camels? to eat not our own no no but you do kill meat but yeah on occasion there may be a rogue camel that Mm -hmm. you need to shoot okay yeah they can be quite dangerous Mm -hmm. you you can also have wild camels come in and bull camels come in that you can just easily scare off Mm. if they've already got a herd then they're generally Mm. pretty happy to you know wander away if they say it's not a great place to hang Mm -hmm. around it's more if you get a a solitary bull or a little group of bull camels come in that you need to take yeah a bit more serious mm-hmm. action and you know some of this you know that's that's a hard it's a hard situation to be in and particularly with people who are traveling along who haven't thought you know a lot about it and they've become you know they've developed re- relationships with the working camels and you know seeing camels in a new light yep. and then then to see one shot is really hard yeah. and so you know we would always talk about that that you know, we're trying to make this purposeful and we can take meat from the camel and nobody is expected to eat it, but you all have an, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's your choice whether you want to eat it or not, but we will use it to supplement and try and make something out of, mm-hmm. you know, having to end a wild camel's life. Is it hard to butcher a camel in that it environment? Depends how sharp your knives are. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, look, we usually don't have a lot of time either so it's usually just taking a bit off the rump uh-huh. um, just cutting through the skin and but yeah you want some sharp knives to be able to do that yeah is there something special you do with camel rump well we usually have to hang it for a few days so there's not a lot of marbling through camel meat all their mm-hmm. fat is stored in their hump so it's gamey and mm-hmm. you know rich in that way so we would usually you know put lump of meat in a hessian bag and hang it off the back of one of the camel saddles for a few days oh okay yeah to mature yeah then usually the best way is you know a bit of slow cooking you know casserole rather than looking at trying to have a camel steak yeah also because they're bull camels they're full of hormones they often haven't been eating because they're all they're interested in is is finding female camels to rub with so they're in a different space mm. than, than usual. Yeah. Mm. And how important is food on a on a camel trek? We always say the small things can become the very big things <laughs> on camel trips. There's no real getting away from problems and always find the easiest way to keep people happy is with a good feed. Mm-hmm. Like you might have had a really long, hard day, particularly the Simpson with 
parallel sand dunes. You can be crossing sand dunes all day mm. and in sand and it's hard walking and it can be really tiring and you might have had to walk longer mm-hmm. on a day to find feed for the camels. You know, there's, they're just not fully vegetated. Oh, so the camels trails. need feed but you've got to find the feed We've for them along the, the way. Yeah, yeah, so like it might be like 4.30 and time to stop yeah. but if there's no feed, there's no stopping. You just have to keep going. So absolutely the way to, you know, keep people happy is, is through good food mm. and it's absolutely provided on those trips. And how many kilometres are you walking each day? Some of the smaller trips might do seven kilometres. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, on those, on those crossings, mm. on the big trips where you have to make your destination, mm. 22, mm. 25, could be up to 30 on a really rare mm-hmm. day where you just have to keep keep going to mm. make up some distance. It doesn't sound like a lot, 22 or Five kilometres, but when you're up and over sand dunes all day and you, you know, you have to traverse sand dunes with camels, Mm -hmm. you know, in the middle of the desert on on this side, on the eastern side, the sand dunes are really close together. As you get, you know, further Mm. to the other side, they spread out a bit. Mm. Um, But while you're going up and over dunes all day, it can be pretty slow going. So tell me about your camp kitchen. What does the camp kitchen look like? So you always got a condiments box. So, you know, always want to make food really flavourful. Mm. Do, um, do you have a table or yep, do you so sit around and prepare? A couple of tables to okay. prepare on, just little, you know, knee-high folding tables, you know, that have been specially made that okay. we can load onto the camels on top of those wooden boxes. So I have two of those out that, you know, we're preparing on. You can pull your swag up to either side of them and, mm-hmm. you know, quite often people are pretty keen to help out with cooking and preparing because it's a great time to sit around and talk. Mm. You wish you had a glass of wine to be doing it. You don't bring wine? Port. Take a jerry can of port. Oh, (laughs) seriously? And it's seriously rationed. (laughs) Yeah. So Why why port? Because it's high in sugar? Or it seems... Odd. Oh, a bit of a historical thing, oh, I, I think. Can. I don't even drink port. No, I was going to say, I haven't drunk port for years. It's so it. sweet. Oh, I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think because you just get a very small amount, you know, mm-hmm. after dinner and it's it's measured yeah. out carefully and... I think, yeah, I think that's probably the so thing people are pretty happy. Feeling just like a, a religious bit. ceremony at the end, you each get your thumble full of port. It's a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our camp kitchen, so we've got some low tables. Yep, so you've got your low tables, you get a box with all your condiments in it, yep. you go shopping at the end of the day, oh. take an empty box around to all the 20 or so different boxes that are full of food. Which the camels have been carrying Which the camels have been carrying, yep, and you go and select what you need mm-hmm. and think about dessert and what you need for dessert or so like one person would take the lead each night and decide what's gonna yeah you know would they would they be asking for feedback from the participants on what they felt like eating tonight no no i don't reckon no no i wouldn't be i would just be deciding (laughs) what gets what gets eaten it's a nice bit bit of surprise too so you're going and doing all your shopping so you do your shopping and then bring it all over to the kitchen obviously you've got like hand wash bowls and okay you know sanitizing Mm -hmm. and making sure you're clean and then going for it. So then you've got also your bags that have got your cooking gear in it. So take out baduri ovens mm-hmm. rather than um, cast iron ovens. Cast iron ovens crack okay. if they're dropped and they do, they're very they heavy. Do drop. Yeah, they do crack, yeah. yeah. So use baduri ovens. Which so baduri is not cast steel. iron, it's uh, pressed steel, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yep. And they're flat and you can turn the lid over and it can become a fry pan, you know, really 
versatile and good to pack mm-hmm. and easy to clean. Yeah, your saucepans, your billies. Walks, do you out. use walks? We absolutely use walks. Mm-hmm. And do you have your own knife? Do you each bring your own knife or do you some, share knives? Some, everybody wears a knife. Like all yeah, I was going to say, I would like my anyway. own kitchen knife with me. <laughs> you, you could absolutely do that. Bring Rita. your own kitchen yeah. knife, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to wear it on your I've waist I've a little sheath, day. I think, as well. <laughs> what about breadboards? And... Yeah, so there's always breadboards, mm-hmm. things to cut on. And, you know, look, some, some years the flies are absolutely out of control. Mm. And, you know, so you're you're thinking about that and, you know, you've so, got tea towels and yeah. stuff to co- cover you, things. And do you wait till sundown? Usually, and especially yeah. if there's a lot of flies around, you're not wanting to have a lot of food. And is it this time of them. year you're generally trekking? Yeah, any time between April and September. Okay. Usually, yeah, these cooler months, which also make it a lot easier for travelling with food for so long. So mm-hmm. there's a whole process with fresh food that all fresh food is wrapped in newspaper. So it keeps it dark and then it's then packed into plastic boxes which usually have, you know, some holes mm-hmm. drilled into them like for airflow. They will sweat through the day so overnight you're opening up those boxes so that, you know, they can dry out. You're not worried about little animals? Yeah, usually you have to close them before. Okay. You know, before you go before to you bed. Go to bed yeah. yeah, yeah, but with, you know, cold nights, I've made jelly Oh. Out on camel trips before, so that's how. How, how do you make it? Oh, because it's setting just overnight. Not even just okay. in an evening. Yeah, so you don't make it with as much boiling water. Yeah, but um, yeah. Look, there's so many things. And you use you can m- do. more powdered milk or things like that. No, take out yeah. UHT milk okay. once again for the the water. Yep. You know, we can't carry enough water mm. to keep hydrating powdered milk. We definitely have powdered milk for yep. if we run out. But, um, how is um the water rationed? Uh look, it. Dep- I mean, this is one of the ones with the big trips. You can only take a certain amount of people yeah. out because you can only take, take a certain so much amount water. of water. Mm. So, yeah, it depends on the trip, depends on how far you're going. I you know, think, yeah, the water drops for those bigger expeditions have probably eased water rationing to some extent as compared to, you know, when I was travelling back in the 90s. Some trips you would be, you know, you're sort of allowing it around about three litres a person Per day, and that okay. includes and cooking. that includes cooking. Yeah, wow. it's but not a lot. It's rationing cups of tea, four yeah. to, four cups of tea a day, and you absolutely <laughs> hang out for that, that cup, cup of tea. tea. <laughs> and how are you washing up? So yeah, once again, uh, thinking about water with all the camp ovens, we can just burn them out on the fire. So mm-hmm. and the baduri too. Yeah, baduri. You can do it with a cast iron. Just turn it upside down, a really hot fire, and and let it go. You know, even till you can. It's red. Mm. You can leave it that long and wow. then take it out, let it cool a bit and wipe it out with newspaper and then oil it and they're perfectly clean. Interesting, yeah. Well, what about plates? And, yeah, plates, usually sand. Okay. So first go with sand and then... Makes sense, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. And then we send around a roll of toilet paper. Yeah. And you can and that's wipe it. clean. Oh. Or you can use that without using the sand. So sometimes you're in country that's more dirt than sand. Yeah. Um, so... It, it's That's not a bit so harder. useful. So, yeah. But, yeah, the sooner you get the toilet paper onto your empty plate, the easier <laughs> it cleans. <laughs> now back to the water thing because I'm thinking you mentioned pasta but I would have thought that because pasta has to be boiled in water that you wouldn't actually use pasta that much just given that rice you can do an absorption method or couscous you can do the absorption method but um, pasta you can't do the absorption method. You actually have to boil it up in water. Yeah, it's, it's true and... Look, I think it's just it's about trying to keep People the menu happy. interesting yeah. and that some nights you're going to use 
more water than others mm. so you can ration it mm. out a bit better. But, mm. um, yeah, there's some things you just you can't get away with and you need water for. And one of them is pasta. And I think mm. pasta might keep people happy too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's an easy dinner. It's so easy. <laughs> yeah. I classify it as like fast food because it's so easy to make. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, that's so exciting, Mel. We're going to go for a mid-show break and when we come back, we're going to look at some of the recipes that Mel has cooked on her camel trekking. This is called Camels by Sam Blahar and Mallow Eve, obviously in line with our camel theme. So that was Camels by Sam Blahar and Mallow Eve. And, you know, Mel, I have – I read through those lyrics – and I don't do that very often, but I did last night because I wanted to see what the camel connection was. It has nothing. The lyrics have nothing to do with camels, but it's called Camels. So I figure it was a good song to play on uh, Kitchen Radio on this very special episode tonight where we're looking at um, camp cooking on camel tricks. So, Mel, you've got some recipes there for me now. In fact, Mel and I were just talking about how wonderful just flour and butter is and how much you can do so much. I said and sugar as well, but, you know, just... Flour and butter, you can just keep people happy for a long time, hey? Yeah, absolutely can. And I think, you know, sometimes you know, I always think with, you know, campfire cooking, there's really nothing that you do at home that you can't do over a campfire. But that's that's what I yeah. figure as well. When I go out camping, whatever it's like, you, you shouldn't be um, limited by absolutely. your circumstances. You yeah. should actually see everything as an opportunity to actually do those sort of ridiculous yeast pastries and, you know, deep fried whatever like um, <laughs> deep fried dumpling. Maybe not the deep fried thing. You might need to give that a miss. But still, there is quite a lot you can do. There, Yeah, there is so much you can do. And I think this is the same with cooking for big numbers of people. If you're going to cook for four, you may as well cook for 24. Yep. It is really not that hard to, mm. to you know, have... Make big meals. So you're not multi- always multiplying, are you? No, you've actually. It's a different. It, it's funny the way that works it, right, with yeah, large numbers. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, amazing how you can make food go further. Yeah, you know, if you've unexpectedly got more people than you expect. Yep. But um, yeah, look, there's yeah, like I said, there's nothing that you cook at home that you can't cook in a camp oven or on a campfire. So I was thinking, firstly, yeah, so thinking about flour, so flour, butter, mm. and milk. You know, or, or, you know, people always ask, well, do you make damper? And, yeah, we do make damper. Um, we'll usually get bread to last for two weeks because, you know, making damper takes a bit of time mm. and after a big day walking and then cooking dinners and yeah. getting prepared for the next day and shepherding camels sometimes, you know, and you don't always have great wood when you're in the middle of the desert Oh, for that's cooking something to think damper. about. Do you have to yeah. take fuel with you just in case you don't have wood? No, I've cooked over cardboard. Yep, fires okay. before, like when we've been really stuck for wood. Yeah. But yeah, for a good you know, for a good damper cook off you need good mulga or you need you know, coals, don't you? you? Get lucky yeah. And, yeah, or you know, cooler bar if you you're in a really so you, you know, get down to the actual river. type of wood that's best for damper. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, really? Well, you need good coals and you need coals that yep. will last and particularly if it's really cold. Mm. So you're yeah. looking for hardwoods then that'll um, you get coals. Absolutely. Mm. And, yeah, you just don't get that out in the middle of the desert unless mm. you're, you're finding where a river, you know, runs off. Sure. I mean, our um, desert you do but not in, not in your deserts there. <laughs> My deserts. What's your okay. desert, Rita? <laughs> Here. Yeah, Alice Springs Desert. <laughs> so yes. desert, I know. <laughs> Everyone has their favourite woods and I think the great thing about cooking something that you cook at home in a camp oven is you realise how different it tastes depending on what wood you use. Oh, so really? So there is a whole other enjoyment of cooking meals that you cook at home when you go out bush. 
you know, always think about tools that you need when you're cooking. So you've got to make sure you've got a shovel to move those camp ovens around and a good pair of multi grips will mm. ensure that, you know, you can pick anything up um, while you're cooking anything that's hot. So, but thinking about flour, so like we, we'll make pies and they might not have a pastry on the outside, but they'll have a pastry top that yes. is just flour, butter and yeah. milk if you've got it or flour, butter and a bit but of water. how are you... Baking and how are you getting a crispy top on your so with your pie? camp oven so in your oh, camp oven okay. still putting a lid on yeah and putting and the putting coals on top yeah oh and then you know a few sesame seeds or some poppy seeds on top and you've got a beautiful oh, wow it looks so pretty pie. too so yeah. you're getting the visual as well as the um, the taste sensation you know what you absolutely want that when you open a camp yeah. oven so that everyone goes wow yeah. <laughs> No, you want your food to look good. Yep. Um, but, you know, also doing dumplings. So if you're having casseroles, like, you know, yeah, throwing in some dumplings is a really great way to fill out your, mm. you know, your carb intake when you're mm. doing, you know, some hard physical work. Flour and milk and butter. And butter, once again. Quiches you can make with the same sort of pastry. So mm-hmm. make a pastry exactly the same way. Roll it out and cook that in a camp oven. Mm-hmm. Pizzas. You know, so you can make a pizza base basically out of damper. A, a thicker pizza base than you normally would? Yeah, a little bit thicker dep- yeah. depending on what you're cooking on. But are you, yeah. yeah, but are you using like a damper dough rather than a yeast dough because you wouldn't necessarily yeah, def- have the yeah, time to rise it. have yeast. Yep. So if somebody's real, you know, I have been on the odd trip where people have brought yeast out mm. but you want to be having slower days mm-hmm. for that, you know, well, some yeah, of those shorter if, trips where you've got more yeah. time to think about cooking and well particularly if it's cold because your um, dough is going to take longer to rise that's right so maybe yeast is is not a good thing you can put it next to the fire though yeah so you can get your pot warm and yeah Mm. so yeah lots of ways to do things but i I love those little you know Mm. tips and tricks of of you know making food work for you out mm. another one i used to love is you know there's nothing like getting to the end of the day and someone bringing out a plate of crackers and some dips mm. <laughs> or a bit of cheese and you know some pickles and some onions but making um, making a dip out of french onion soup mix and some cream, cream. <laughs> and cream cream cheese or yeah. cream yeah, yeah so you know those things can really go a long way yeah. to um, adding to the atmosphere as well of yeah being around a, a campfire yeah, so I was going to – well, you asked me to talk you through – A recipe. Yeah, yes. a recipe. So there's a couple of desserts. So the first one is similar to a Swiss roll and I learnt this from an Italian couple who came and did a trip on the Eastern Simpson, so down the Diamantina, and they asked to cook towards the end of the trip and really that trip was – spectacular we had just some of the most interesting people every night felt like a cocktail party with no alcohol (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so roll out a big sheet of pastry so your flour your butter your milk so a short crust pastry yep so you're just rubbing your butter into your flour Mm. and using as much flour as you need for the Mm -hmm. amount of people that you've got Mm. so like that trip I think I brought in a photo for you the pastry Mm. covers the whole of the table and roll that out probably to a centimetre thick and then you get some chocolate and Ooh. you break up your chocolate and put that over like two-thirds of the, the pastry and uh, put some tinned fruit in. So if you've got tinned raspberries or tinned blueberries, some of those, you know, berries that are really flavour up 
um, the tin fruit, then yeah, you definitely want to use some of that. And then you might put some dried fruit in there as well. Or you might put some nuts. Once you've got you know everything laid out, then you roll it up, and then you can shape it into basically like a, a snake mm. that's curled up, and you can put it into your camp oven and cook away and yeah and you'll get a really beautiful you know brown mm. top and then really sweet with melted chocolate oh, and sounds really nice hot yummy fruit and yeah it's a really a really nice and easy yeah and different dessert um, is this similar to the one that you posted on facebook recently i believe it was oh right i was gonna yes. say that looked great yeah yeah Quite pink that one. Yeah, I was going to say it was the pink. Juice I didn't of like... the raspberries. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, very lovely. Because I've got this photo, the photo here of you rolling out or someone rolling out the pastry with the chocolate. It looks great. Mm, so yeah, that couple also made mm. gnocchi for dinner from scratch that night. Oh, so, yes, of course, gnocchi. You would have all the ingredients for. Yeah, yeah. they used a stirrup iron to mash the. Yeah. Okay. Um, to mash, mash the, the potatoes. Potatoes and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was a really. Fantastic yeah, culinary of course. evening. Gnocchi. I had never thought about gnocchi camping. What sort of a sauce did they serve the gnocchi with? I have absolutely <laughs> no memory of the sauce, <laughs> but I'm sure it was yeah. amazing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, another, you know, so like you're just using a basic butter cake recipe mm. um, and once again, you know, making it as, as big as you need to. So you might take out a, a normal size cake pan. Um, and just make one that size or you might make it the size of the baduri oven and, you know, we're taking out large baduri ovens. So for 20 people you're making yeah. a big one. So are you putting the, like, the batter into a cake tin and then into the oven? So or? sometimes if you want to okay. make a small one you can but otherwise straight into the cake Okay, oven. it doesn't burn? Well, this is a really great way of cooking a cake. So put in some tinned peaches or pears onto the bottom of your oh, camp okay. oven. Pour over a UHT, oh. no, a UHT custard, uh -huh. so, you know, a big yeah. one-litre thing of custard, and then you pour your batter on top of that. So then you don't have so much worry about burning the base. You have and, thought about this, yeah, haven't you? And you yeah. put coals on the top. And so you get nice browned. Oh, you want to put some slivered almonds on the top of that Ooh, cake too. Yeah. And really nice if you get a bit of ginger in through the cake batter. A bit of coals on top, beautiful browned yeah. top on your cake. Uh, we usually tell you, you know, when it's ready. But because of that custard and a bit of the mm. fruit juice in the bottom, you also get a really moist cake yeah no I can just imagine how that works mm. what do you do about like timing because you don't really want to be taking that lid off the oven to check it and you say so you can't like you know yeah. put a cake tester in to see if your cake's cooked do, do you, you just get you good at it <laughs> <laughs> but um amazing that you can actually you can quite often tell just by smelling smell yeah, yeah. so yeah. paying attention to that if it's smelling really quickly you know that you've got way too many coals mm. in there so you've got coals on the bottom and on the top. Usually, yeah. yeah. And sometimes halfway through you might end up taking coals out of mm. or restocking the coals. So one of the, one of the downfalls of Baduri ovens is they don't retain the heat like a cast iron mm. camp oven. So you have to cook in them quite differently. But, yeah, so, yeah, so you do end up mm, checking halfway yeah. through. But, yes, the smell is Yeah. So you'd have to keep good. the heat up to them, wouldn't you? Like, yep. because they're not holding on to that heat. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so when you've got really good hardwood, that's not an issue. Yep. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, so, yeah, so they're like two great desserts. Um, I've got a picture here of you, or not of you, of your, what, I've got a whole lot of photos of, of Mel's camping treks and it looks like that you've got uh, papadams with a curry. Seriously? Absolutely. How are you <laughs> doing papadams in a... In the wok. Oh. So, yeah, just a bit of oil and just okay. the general way that you cook. So not, arms, but yeah. not deep frying them. You're just maybe doing a bit shallow more of a fry. shallow fry yeah. of them. Okay, yep, yeah. definitely. Look, we used to with that burrito mix, dried mince mm. that I was talking about earlier. We used to do tacos like in the first few mm. years that I went out, and you would just heat the shells up in the camp ovens. Yeah, yeah. They're not the easiest thing to travel with. No, but you could do <laughs> soft tortillas if you had your own Absolutely. tortilla press, or you could, uh, I think, multi-purpose, or you could repurpose something else. Yeah, like and you can make them. Tins. Yeah, once again with you know. Yep. Flour With flour, you just and, need yeah. like um, cornmeal. Yeah. What's the very? What's sort of the highlight of one of the meals that you've had? You told me a great story of a um, a pasta dish. It wasn't a, wasn't a real highlight. No, though, it wasn't was a it? highlight. No, one maybe highlights not a memorable. <laughs> one of the most memorable meals that you've had. Oh yeah. So we got to the end of the Gibson Desert crossing, and you know, in the last week, we'd had a few days of pretty strict rationing, and we were a bit worried that. The food wasn't going to last. So we got got to the last night and we knew that we were going to meet up with the changeover crew the next day so we knew we were safe and could go crazy in the kitchen. We didn't have to worry about those two days extra food that you have to keep up your sleeve for a contingency. And, yeah, we're pulling out olives and, you know, good passata and, you know, different things to add to a really beautiful pasta sauce. And Sounding was- like a puttanesca. Absolutely, yeah. and probably with a few other things yeah, added in there yeah. just for the joy of not having <laughs> to ration. Everything. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, and just going, we can do anything. And, um, yeah, the woman who was cooking that night, um, yeah, we were all in such a great mood and and she got out the last jar of posada and was like, oh, let, let's add another one in and tapped it against the side of the camp oven that was full of the sauce and it cracked and broke into the oh. pasta sauce. The best thing she said was, I can save it, I can save yeah, it. I'd be thinking that too, you know, you'd be thinking maybe I can, maybe I can eat something with glass in it after all. <laughs> yeah, so no, no, we weren't able to save that one at all, which That's... is um, a big shame and I have no idea what we did eat. I used yeah. to, like for the, it was a long time ago, yeah. you know, that I was, you know, seriously, you know, doing this work and I did used to be able to remember camel trips and people and campsites by what we ate. Mm. You know, just remember everything yeah. through the food. Through the and food that was it, you experienced, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting now to go, oh, gosh, I can't actually remember. What was that highlight? What, yeah, yeah, what yeah. we did then. But, yeah, look, so many great Yeah, that's some great tips there, the really. Does this inform your, um, you know, your camping now when you go out with family and friends? Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. that, that level of experience and... and you know, just living it every year. You know, look, I did work as a station cook on a couple of stations north of Alice and, you know, when we were out on stock camp, getting out the camp ovens and cooking over a fire rather than using the yeah. stove and oven that was in the caravan. And, you know, I've always really loved that way of cooking and, you know, love just love being at Bush but learning all the time. There yeah. are so many great camp oven cooks yeah. in Alice Springs. Yep. So, you know, it can be a bit of a... <laughs> 
cook thing. off. Yeah. And, um, but, and it's also something that I'm not good at, but I can imagine if you were doing it all the time, which is really understanding your heat and your wood, because I think the challenge of cooking over, you know, an open fire is really understanding, you know, the heat and how hot things are and how to modify your heat. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's, that is, it's an imprecise yeah, Science and I suppose always. your coals, as you said, like different woods going to behave in you know in different ways according to how much you know, heat it's going to retain. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So are you going to go camping next weekend, long weekend? We've been talking about it. Yeah, yeah. we've been talking about it. <laughs> Where are you going, Greta? Uh, not to think. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> I. And that's just no disrespect to everybody out there who's going to think. I, I think it's it's a great event, and um, too many I hope cooks out there to compete absolutely. with. Absolutely, <laughs> I hope we've inspired a lot of people there to um, maybe even have a bit of a cook off, a camp cook off next week. Anyhow, look, that's about it. We could talk, I think, a lot longer, but you've inspired me. In fact, I, I think I'm going to go and do stew and dumplings this weekend. But <laughs> I know, but I, I know it's never quite the same on a on my oven at home. So maybe I'll just build a fire. Spark outside. up the fire. <laughs> hey, can I do a quick plug? Yeah, sure. Um, just for the camel company that I have worked with mm. and. Um, uh, Outback Camel Company, you can look it up on Facebook mm. uh, or just on the internet or Australian Desert Expeditions. So there's two sides to the one um, the one business. Okay, yeah. yeah, so check them out. Great photos, great stories on their Facebook pages and Instagram. Yeah, look, I was inspired. Like I'm, I'm going to put like camel trekking on my bucket list there, absolutely. I, I wouldn't mind going with yeah, you. Yeah, right? great. It would be fun. I just, just the food. Um, I'm going to do another sort of a little bit of a plug out there, but I really want to get some of the judges from the Alice Springs show sort of cooking competition on Kitchen Radio. And I've been hassling the show and they've talked to the cooking steward, but no, no one's got back to me. So if anybody out there knows of any of the judges on the, uh, for the Alice Springs show, could they please contact me? Because I won't give them a hard time, right? I just want to know, like, how are they judging these things? And we want to talk about, like, what makes a good orange cake and why, in fact, don't you do some, you know, some different types of competitions like the best camp oven cook, you know, and um, that's just my little plug as well. Anyhow, that's it for Kitchen Radio. Thanks so much, Mel Keen. Can I wish you happy camp cooking for the uh, long weekend coming up? Right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been listening to Kitchen Radio on um, 8CCC. My name is Rita Katoni. Please take risks when you're cooking. It's always fun to take risks. I don't know about outside of cooking, but definitely when you're cooking. Follow recipes at least twice before you go freestyle, I would suggest. And, and don't forget to follow me on Facebook. There's links to these podcasts so you get to listen to them again. So the final song tonight is a song is called Sort El Wahuch. Wahuch or Les Chants des Fauves, which uh, translates as the Song of Wild Animals. And it's from an album which I really love called Ashuma the Music Touregue, which is Berber music. And, you know, the Berbers have got this camel connection. Um, they actually have like a whole Berber camel festival. Have you ever been to a camel festival, Mel? No. Big dream to go to Pushkar one year, but um, that won't be happening for a while. No, it won't. We could keep saying that about many things. Tinarawan is the name of the band. You've been listening to Kitchen Radio on 8 C 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek.